You're listening to Teach Me Thy Statutes, a production of the Ephesus School Network. Blessed art thou, O Lord, teach me thy statutes. The company of the angels was amazed. Hi, this is Father Aaron Warwick with Jason Everett, and you are listening to the Teach Me Thy Statutes podcast, episode number 92. Today's reading is from St. Paul's second letter to the Corinthians, chapter 7, verses 10 through 16. Brethren, godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation and brings no regret, but worldly grief produces death. For see what earnestness this godly grief has produced in you, what eagerness to clear yourselves, what indignation, what alarm, what longing, what zeal, what punishment. At every point you have proved yourselves guiltless in the matter. So although I wrote to you, it was not on account of the one who did the wrong, nor on account of the one who suffered the wrong, but in order that your zeal for us might be revealed to you in the sight of God. Therefore we are comforted, and besides our own comfort, we rejoice still more at the joy of Titus, because his mind has been set at rest by you all. For if I have expressed to him some pride in you, I was not put to shame, But just as everything we said to you was true, so our boasting before Titus has proved true. And his heart goes out all the more to you, as he remembers the obedience of you all, and the fear and trembling with which you received him. I rejoice, because I have perfect confidence in you. To begin today, Father, I'd like to ask you just to maybe give us a brief overview of 2 Corinthians, as this is uh, the first time that we've discussed uh, this epistle. Yeah, as you can imagine, Second Corinthians is in many ways an extension or continuation, or perhaps I should even say a follow-up of First Corinthians. Of course, yeah, that, that certainly makes sense. So uh, perhaps you can give uh, a brief background on First Corinthians, and then we can talk a little bit more about Second Corinthians today. Yeah, First Corinthians shows Paul dealing with what essentially, if not completely, was a Gentile church, meaning there were few, if any, Jews who were part of that community. And because of that, there were some unique problems of Gentiles who had become Christian. Why is that, Father? Uh, or I should say, what, what were some of those problems? Well, I think the overarching issues were probably cultural, and by that I, I don't just mean like being of a different ethnicity, as in being different cultures. There was that, of course, but what I'm saying is there's just a completely different mindset between people like the religious Jews of Paul's time, who were, of course, intimately familiar with the scriptures and a scriptural way of life, and those like the Gentiles in Corinth, who would never have been really exposed to scripture, its way of life, and its mindset. So that will inevitably lead to problems. And for example, we can hear in certain passages from 1 Corinthians that there was a lack of order to their gatherings, to the services of the Corinthian Christians that likely frustrated those from a Jewish background. And so that was something that Paul needed to get in better order. But overall, I would say the overarching problem Paul addresses in in 1 Corinthians is sort of this notion that many Christians even today seem to have, which is that they behave as though salvation has already fully come to them. And so they continue sinning, they do not fully repent, I mean, they do not fully change their way of life, and seem not to realize that the judgment is still ahead. And so Paul reminds them that, yes, they have been saved by God in the sense that he overlooked their past sins, but that you know doesn't give them a license to continue sinning because we will all still stand before the judgment seat of Christ in the end. Okay, so that gives us a good 
overall sense of First Corinthians, and and now you said that Second Corinthians is is kind of a follow up on on the first letter. So, what are some general themes of Second Corinthians? Well, Second Corinthians definitely includes some follow up from Paul's first epistle to the Corinthians. Now, in that first epistle, Paul was quite harsh with the Corinthians, and like a good father. He was harsh because he wanted them to see that they really needed to change. He wanted to stress the seriousness of the matter. And 2 Corinthians sort of begins then with Paul commending the Corinthians for listening and for showing some repentance and then, of course, encouraging them to continue that course. The epistle actually concludes as a nice segue into Galatians, which, of course, is the next book in the canon in the order of the Bible following 2 Corinthians. And I say that because as Paul encourages the Corinthians towards the end of the second epistle, he gets into the issue of others who claim to be apostles, as he says, seemingly trying to diminish Paul's own teaching or to teach another gospel from that which Paul taught. And it's quite apparent that what they were trying to do was to make the Gentiles become Jews. And that's, of course, the primary theme of Galatian, where Paul shows from Scripture what we call the Old Testament that a person does not need to become Jewish to be part of God's covenant community because being part of that community is based on putting one's trust, one's faith in God and not on being circumcised or following the external Jewish dietary laws and so forth. And then finally, in addition to these things, in, in 1 Corinthians it appears as though there are a handful of people and perhaps especially one person who caused some serious issues and confusion and division in the Corinthian Christian community and Paul talks about that then in 2 Corinthians and discusses the path for reconciliation of someone who has behaved that way but has shown sorrow and repentance and how we must be careful not to be overly harsh lest we discourage someone to the point that they give up hope. Thanks for that background, Father. And it, it leads nicely into the main question I had about today's reading specifically. And I'd like to go back to the opening verses from our reading where Paul contrasts godly grief with worldly grief. Would you help us understand what Paul is referring to here? Yeah, absolutely. And I'd say this picks up where I left off in my last statement, which is that we do not want to discourage people so that they give up hope. Because ultimately, that's one of the main differences between godly grief and worldly grief. Worldly grief causes you to lose hope. It leads you to despair. It leads you to concentrate on the past, on past mistakes. Godly grief, on the other hand, leads you to repentance, and therefore it gives you hope. Godly grief is a recognition that, yes, absolutely, you've made mistakes, but that none of those mistakes are too big for God to forgive. Godly grief means that past mistakes are viewed as opportunities to learn and to grow. And godly grief does not focus on the past, but again, it focuses on the future. So the past is outside of our control. We can only control the present, and then by extension, we can have some control over the future. And so again, ultimately, the difference between godly grief and worldly grief is that godly grief provides hope. And most specifically, godly grief leads us to the hope of a better future, of learning from our mistakes. I appreciate that distinction, and I'm hoping perhaps we can end today's episode with maybe a, a concrete example or two. Yeah, let me share two examples, one recent and one historical and biblical. And that biblical example, according to Paul, is Second Corinthians. We can read First Corinthians and hear about the sin that was going on in that community, but as Paul highlights here in Second Corinthians, 
He's commending the Corinthians for actually changing based on his teaching, and that's why you have this passage that you read today about godly grief. It's directly related to the Corinthians and the change they evidently made between Paul's letters. But another example that I'd like to share is someone who made a lot of mistakes in their past, uh, came to me for counsel. Some of their mistakes had led to having a broken family, and this person, of course, has regrets. Almost all of us do, to some degree or another. And my encouragement to this person was to grieve in this godly way. You know, we can despair, we can grieve as the world grieves. And uh, as I explained, that's the grief of Judas. And remember, Judas went and hung himself. There was no redemption. Judas didn't in any way make up for his mistakes or learn from them to make the world a better place. Then on the other hand, you have Peter. Look at what happened with Peter. He also denied Christ three times, but he ultimately repented. And hence we had the reading this past Sunday from the 11th Eothenian Gospel, where at the end of John's Gospel, Peter is restored and is told to feed Christ's sheep. So for Peter, it was a godly grief, a grief that led to him repenting and leading many people after that to the truth. So my encouragement to the person who was grieving over their past and those who might be listening today that are grieving over their past is to focus on the present and again, by extension, the future. It's literally impossible for us to go back in time and to change what we did, committing suicide, worst case scenario, or just being paralyzed because of grief and regret. It helps nothing, changes nothing. But as long as we're still alive until our last breath, we can learn from the past, we can help make a better present and therefore a better future for others if we grieve in this godly manner, if we grieve with the hope that through repentance and with God's help we can learn from our past mistakes and present God and His forgiveness and mercy to others just as He Himself, God Himself, presented forgiveness and mercy to us. Thank you, Father. Today's episode briefly recounted 1 Corinthians in which Paul attempts to deal with the notion that salvation has been fully received without recognizing that repentance is essential and that the judgment still lies ahead. In 2 Corinthians, we find Paul commending the church in Corinth for listening and exhibiting some signs of repentance. We then discussed what distinguishes worldly grief from godly grief. As Father Aaron explained, worldly grief causes us to lose hope, leads to despair, and leads us to concentrate on our past mistakes. In contrast, godly grief leads us to repentance and gives us hope. Godly grief recognizes our mistakes, but views them as an opportunity to learn and grow and to hope of a better future. Thank you for listening to Teach Me Thy Statutes. We hope you tune in next week for a new episode. Alleluia, glory to thee, O God. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. Glory to thee, O God, O our God and our hope. Glory to thee.